We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, the Nets finally bounced back with a win. Wasn't the prettiest thing, but they picked it up 128-124 over the Miami Heat. How are we feeling? Yeah, scary hours was the officiating tonight, Nick. Yeah, it really was. It was some tough officiating, and we typically don't like to criticize the refs, but we'll get into that plenty more. But as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrefalk.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do you want to start? Um, we should start with Nick that apparently the hug police is out in full force. Bam Adebayo had an awesome game and we like to give credit where credit is due. He was incredible. But the security was preventing Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan from giving him some love. But uh, nah, in all honesty, Kyrie Irving was much, much better tonight. He led the way. We saw some clips on the Yes Network of him sort of talking to the team. And um, you could just see, like, I know you've sort of seen his mentality and such and sort of been able to observe, you know, what his his mindset is like. But it seemed to me tonight that Nick Kyrie was leading this team in a lot of respects tonight. Yeah, I thought this was a great basketball game. And I know he scored 38 against the Cavs, but I'd rather take this 28-point game. You know, I think it was 15 down the stretch in the fourth, maybe even more. But I love the leadership. I love the defensive energy. I criticized him yesterday because I felt like he didn't show effort on the end of the floor. Tonight, you saw him picking up people half court at the logo or whatever it might be. And like you said, a lot of leadership across the board with different things. So, you know, shout out to Kyrie, really, really stepped up and when the team needed it. And I thought it was crucial for a lot of the shots he did, especially when, you know, James Harden was being extremely passive. You know what I mean? So you did have Kyrie Irving picking it up and hitting some of those big shots. 
Yeah, I thought he was incredible, especially in the last quarter. He had like at least 10 points, including some absolutely clutch buckets. And he was, uh, again, apart from his pick-and-roll defense, I thought the rest of his defense, when he was one-on-one with like a Dragic or a Robinson or sometimes none, none has a bit more size and, and, and girth to him that sort of troubled Kai a little bit. But I thought overall tonight, you know, I wrote down some notes. I'm probably going to check over some film, but he was great. I thought that despite the fact that his numbers were, were much better in the two Cleveland performances, I thought that his impact tonight and there was maybe only one or two possessions in comparison to maybe four or five possessions in the previous uh, Cavs road trip that I thought he was taking too much. He was iso-balling too much. But I thought he helped break the zone down. And especially in that fourth quarter, when the Nets needed offense, like you mentioned, James Harden wasn't doing it, apart from, you know, a a, a Bam at a bio... What is it called again? Um, Rip away. Goaltend, that's the one. My my words aren't here today. But uh, I thought Kyrie Irving was incredible in that fourth quarter. And uh, it doesn't hurt to have Kevin Durant come back and uh, do his thing either. Yeah, no, I agree, Jack. I thought Kyrie was really good. And defensively, like, this is the effort level that'll be okay. He's never going to be a great pick-and-roll defender. He's going to have issues in other aspects. But, you know, the leadership, too, and knowing when to step up. And I felt like early in the game, he was more in the flow of the offense. where It wasn't really the ISO possessions. We didn't get into the fourth quarter when the Nets really needed it because Miami was going on a run and they weren't really hitting shots. But let's talk Kevin Durant. I mean, how how can you consistently score 30 quietly? Like, he just does it. doesn't in the flow of the game and it's just beautiful i mean 11 of 19 4 or 7 from three four assists four rebounds two blocks and i thought his defense on bam was better than anybody else on the nets yeah look bam bam's just offense was just too good for, for yeah. the nets defense and kevin durant just had you know a bit more length about him which troubled him than say jeff green deandre jordan and, and reggie perry especially but yeah kevin durant was, was incredible on both ends of the floor tonight and there was times where it's just like he could have had 40 if the refs actually gave him some freaking yeah. calls that kelly olenic call nick is one of the worst calls i have ever seen one michael grady tweeted out and kelly olenic might as well have been like suffocating kevin durant his defense was that poor and physical i've seen fouls like feet, that get reviewed for a flagrant <laughs> like it, uh, you're right and his feet were in the restricted area as well like the officiating this season has been worse than seasons past where there's twenty thousand people in an arena i don't get how you can be as blatantly terrible with your officiating it, it made no sense and Kyrie irving should have gotten uh, at least two or three calls tonight kevin around probably three or four and there was just, I don't know, the, the officiating, we don't normally pick on it because the, the, the game is bigger than that, but it cost the Brooklyn Nets some baskets tonight and probably gave them a, a, the, the Miami Heat a little bit of a sniff that they probably shouldn't have had. At least had, five but... points, like you just mentioned, Jack, to end the half on that KD bucket because he made the shot. He would have had a chance at an and one because it would have been a blocking foul. And then, you know, Bam went down the floor and hit the pull-up three. That's five points right there, possibly six. Yeah, it's it, it's truly insane how poor the officiating was tonight. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, the whether the glasses weren't working, whether the contacts didn't <laughs> in, I I have no idea. They were they were bird boxing the hell out of this performance tonight. But yeah, the Nets only had what twenty six free throws. Obviously, some of that is junk time, garbage time. You know, we'll, we'll ran it down to twenty or so. I thought they could have easily had twenty five. I thought their purpose was better there. Yeah, and the Miami Heat got lucky a couple of times. That Duncan Robinson foul, Nick, what did you think of it? The one, the one that they Kyrie... called on Kyrie? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's trash. Uh, if, if they're going to call that, then Kyrie Irving's getting free throws every time down the floor. How many times has he been face guarded and the guys made contact after the play? Like, I didn't really even see the contact. I didn't watch the replay a million times. But, I mean, if you're calling that, then Kevin Durant's probably shooting 16 free throws a night and James Harden's probably shooting 20. You know what I mean? Like, that, just some of the calls that, like you said, Jack, I think, you know, I don't, we try not to get upset with the officiating, but when the Nets are playing hard and they're, they're driving with purpose and aggressiveness, like that's when you get the calls. When you're driving timid and you're avoiding contact, you don't get the calls. But I felt like the Nets were creating contact, driving to the rim. They were aggressive and Miami was out of position a lot and they were just getting away with a lot of body contact. That was just fouls. And like, Bam's a great player. But he shot 14 free throws tonight, and I think two of them were in garbage time. But like, if he's getting that many calls, then I think Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden should probably be getting more on the other end. Yeah, look, James Harden had nine, a couple of them in junk time. He, uh, I mean, his game we can dive into uh, in a little bit. But focusing on the good in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, yeah, the the the, uh, the purpose that the Kevin that the Nets did have in terms of wanting to put the pressure on the Miami Heat defense, and obviously they're lacking Jimmy Butler and and Tyler Hero and some of their other stars. Um, I just thought that the, there was a much better game plan and execution from the Nets, especially in the first half. That yep. fourth quarter was uh, who knows. We, we we chuck it out, throw it out, the, throw it in the bin. Uh, Jimmy Amy Butler started does. what with a thirteen zero run. Yeah, and then the Nets had a little bit of a run themselves, eleven zero run I think it was. Um, but then there was like an eight zero run from them, uh, and then you know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just took over and just hit shot after shot after shot. Some of them incredibly difficult, um, and it's just a luxury to have them out there. And Joe Harris was getting a lot of attention as well, and he was uh, giving up shots to Katie. Good shots became great shots, um, and his performance w- was incredible tonight. He set the tone in the first half. Absolutely awesome game from him. Despite a little bit of a, a, a lull uh, in the Cleveland road trip, he got back to his best. But I thought that the the initial tone setter for me, Nick, was Kyrie Irving taking a charge in the first quarter. Yeah. That signaled to me that I'm like, all right, he's going to be making plays on both ends of the floor. And even if he's making mistakes, he's going to have the aggressive mentality to be like, I'm going to impact this game, not just as a shot maker. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I thought that was, you know, very obvious from the beginning, especially when he got out in his stance, you know, past the three-point line sometimes we'll see him play defense and he doesn't even come past the three-point line there are still a couple possessions this game where he did get lost I thought a couple times on Kendrick Nunn he was a little bit late but it was kind of I don't want to say night and day from what we saw defensively in Cleveland but there was a drastic difference and there was I think a little bit more accountability too yeah big time um, I, I thought that there was, it, it seemed to me that, and we saw Kyrie Irving coaching on the bench uh, yep. at times with, with some of the rotation guys I, I just thought that it's interesting to see. I think this is going to be a collaborative approach, and we heard that in the se- in the preseason. And I think it's going to be resonate and for for many many games going forward. There's going to be nights where you know Kai's going to hit some big shots, make some defensive plays. You know James Harden might not be feeling it. His his uh, mentality might not be there. And then you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to make up for it. That's the the luxury of having the three superstars. You know James Harden still had you know his 11 assists or so, but you know he should have been much much more aggressive. But plenty of great things we could say about Kai. I thought he he looked better off the ball as well. Yeah, he looked like he wanted to get out in transition. Looked like he wanted to to move and and not just create for himself, but you know, cutting into the lanes and trying to break the zone. Um, the, there aren't many better zone breakers that can hit mid range shots and shots from all areas of the floor than uh, Jeff Green. Apparently, no, uh, Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I felt like Kyrie was more so part of the offense a lot for the first three quarters. And then that fourth quarter, like you mentioned, kind of being the zone breaker and doing a good job there. Uh, should we talk about James Harden? Yeah, I mean, what would your thoughts on his performance tonight, Nick? I think it was, 
a little bit lackadaisical in terms of the aggression uh, and the willingness to just you know get his own that we normally expect from James Harden. If anything, it's been a criticism of his in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like someone told him to like not have the green light, like that he's just not taking open shots. I think the one thing that's like slightly concerning that I think he needs to definitely start shooting more is a lot of those catch and shoot threes not hesitate, not take a dribble because that kind of disrupts the offense to an extent and it just makes it a little bit easier to close out on him because he's not going to take that shot. I felt like he turned down three or four. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it tonight, but then there was also a couple possessions where he got to the elbow in the paint and he didn't attempt a shot. And it's like, yeah, maybe you don't want to pull up the mid-range, hit that little floater. We saw you you know, shoot a lot against Orlando, a lot against Milwaukee. You know, that that's a shot that's worked for you in the past too. So I think he definitely needs to be more aggressive. I will give some credit to Miami though. Because when they're playing zone and he's on the floor with the second unit, it's going to be pretty hard for him to get to the bucket. You know what I mean? It's going to be—they're giving him a lot of attention, and the whole purpose of the zone is really to slow him down and not let him get the shot he wants. And I feel like he's just kind of trying to find his footing with the team. But I think you know, KD, Kyrie need to be like, hey man, start just pulling the trigger, especially in the three ball. Like I said, those wide open catch and shoot threes—you need to take them. Yeah, and then there was one or two, you know, in the closing couple of minutes where he did take and he missed them. You know, he didn't hit a three tonight, two of eight from the field, 12 points, 11 assists, uh, did have six turnovers as well. Some of those were bad catches from Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, but some of those were also um, maybe a bit too much heat and some just um, awfully timed passes on his drives where he would normally just get the contact rather than kicking it out. So I think that he's going it's to... A, it's a balance for him. Uh, it's a luxury to have that... Our other two superstars combined 59 points. Kyrie Irving had 18. Uh, I apologize for saying 10 or so earlier. 18 uh, in the final period. But I think he will find it, Nick, because it's been uh, such a key part of his game before that it would be shocking if he doesn't get that mentality back. And it is incredibly hard. I think Miami probably... uh, Miami and Cleveland might be two of the best teams defensively in the league right now, especially systematically. And look, um, Cleveland uh, did an incredible job of just making things tough for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, And Miami, obviously, with their zone and their systems defensively, make things tough for you and James Harden overall. Because look... TLC, Bruce Brown, Reggie Perry, Jeff Green. Uh, and occasionally when you had Joe Harris out there, occasionally when, and, and, and when you might sub in one of the other superstars, it was a little bit easier. But it, I think that against more teams than not, he's going to be able to find his own a little bit better. But at the same time, um, he's uh, um, his craft at being able to just find spots on the floor where he can hit his shot, hit his step back, and also get to the line. And look... Eight of nine free throws, it's it's decent enough. He did only make two field goals, and it took to like the second or third quarter for him to do actually hit that, and it wasn't even. It was the goaltend that was the, the first field goal. So it's it's a process, Nick, and it's one that I'm... You think he's I'm, tired? I think some people are saying he's tired. Some people are saying that he's out of shape. He did play it, 15 it minutes be. on Wednesday, and it's the second night of a back-to-back, and he's not conditioned well right now. You know what I mean? No. No, so, but he'll be he'll be better for the run. I think yeah. that this we you don't want to look too much into a one game sample size, but you want to take away some things where it's just like, okay, what do I need to do better? Look, I'm passing the ball, I'm getting my teammates open, I'm I'm looking incredible in any form of pick and roll passing. He is He's maybe one the, of the best, best pick and roll manipulators pa- of a defense in the NBA. Like in that pick and roll, like he makes DeAndre Jordan look so good. Like yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't. I completely agree, and and, and DJ is doing a good job of slipping some yep. of the, the the blitzes as well. So I think that their their tandem and chemistry has has grown exponentially in, in such a short period of time. So whenever DJ is on the floor, if James Harden's out there, he's going to make him look at least somewhat positive. So yeah, I think that's one area we, we don't doubt. Um, and, and it's interesting because it was like, oh, the one ball thing. Oh, is James Harden going to hog it too much? Is he going to be able to find Kyrie? It's just like, no, we actually need him to be better with the second unit. And, you know, whether that's uh, Steve Nash changing it up and putting Kyrie Irving with the second unit a little bit more and, and putting Harden and Durant together a little bit more, uh, I think it's going to be an experimentation process, like we mentioned, you know, acclimating them all. All of them are doing the right things and want to win. Uh, and I think tonight's performance, you know, we haven't had all three superstars clicking totally um and this was closer to it if, if Harden had had 20 points and you know hit a couple of threes hit a couple of layups had a couple more free throws then it would have been like okay I'm pretty confident here um going forward I'm still confident though Nick because yeah. I think that the offense is going to take care of itself because these three superstars are, are that smart and are that savvy especially offensively um, but there's still some work to do uh, and there's still some work to do on, on in many areas on the floor but I think James Harden will find it do you have confidence in him eventually uh, finding his touch yeah I, I have a lot of confidence I, James Harden is one of the best basketball players in the NBA like that's without a doubt like he is extremely talented I honestly think he was tired tonight like I think you know the lack of conditioning caught up to him like I said double overtime game against Cleveland then coming the second night of a back-to-back obviously played last night played pretty big minutes in that game too and I think also just trying to get a vibe with the team and also I think something for the second unit that'll drastically help him is getting him a vertical spacer like uh, someone who can roll to the rim and finish no disrespect to Reggie Perry you know he doesn't have that with his game yet maybe it's somebody can develop not really confident finishing inside maybe it's you know Pell maybe it's Nick Claxton maybe it's somebody else that they can add down the line but I think that'll be really important because like I said before James Harden manipulating the defense with that pick and roll that's just beautiful to watch. Like they're trying to force him to do one thing and he's turning it into an easy bucket for, you know, DeAndre Jordan, who hasn't necessarily looked amazing over the last year. So props to him and still finding other ways to impact the game. Like you said, I think the scoring really needs to pick up, but it's it's funny because it was such a criticism of him taking too many shots and now he's not taking enough. Definitely. And also uh, one really incredibly uh, intelligent play towards the end of the game, yep. uh, failing Bam at a bio. I thought that was... Um, it shows his intelligence without the floor and allowed the Nets to just have a little bit more comfortability in the final 30 seconds of the game. So uh, incredibly clever from James Harden there and, and I guess dumb on the Miami Heat end for not calling the timeout. But James Harden punished him for that and you know, we're, we've got to give credit where credit's due. And, I, and I'm just hoping for that 30-point triple-double for him sooner rather than later. And just the, the, the clicking and the gelling of these three superstars, it's a luxury, uh, a, a luxury to have. So hopefully going forward, um, it leads to some good things. Yeah, I'd like to see the Nets be a little bit more prepared for the zone in the next game. They have the luxury of playing Miami again, and obviously they're still going to be missing players. So you you want to see them be able to attack that zone because I thought at different points they were a little confused in what they needed to do. And it's kind of funny is because they put out essentially a perfect lineup to kill a zone. You know, they have five floor spacers. They have, you know, three elite, maybe four elite ones and Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant and uh, and Joe Harris. And then you have Jeff Green out there who's been amazing from three this season. I think they just need a little bit more cohesion and maybe just a better plan to attack that zone. And that's an adjustment I want to see from Steve Nash and the team going into the next game. 
Definitely. I, I think that the guys are smart enough to, to find the spots. I thought Jeff yep. Green, like you mentioned, did an incredible job getting to, to the middle and sort of collapsing the zone a little bit, leaving guys open on the perimeter, whether it was Joe Harris, TLC, or, or whoever else, uh, Bruce Brown occasionally. I, I think that the guys are smart enough offensively. That's where I, I'm really, really confident. They just have a nouse about them to be like, you know what, we can we can hit shots from anywhere on the floor. And you know, Jeff Green is continuing to be uh, absolutely incredible in what he contributes to this team so i think that there was a much better game plan and a much better mentality in breaking that zone tonight compared to when cleveland ran it out uh, against us in the previous two games yeah 100 i thought jeff green did a nice job obviously you have the luxury of having kevin durant who can literally hit a shot anywhere on the floor over anybody and that's always great i think Really, the issue with the Nets was the mentality was great. The effort was great. But at certain points, they would just have these stretches where they were lackadaisical, sloppy, and just kind of like throwing the ball to Miami or just kind of missing, you know, defensive assignments and giving up open shots. It's like that complete 48 minutes we really didn't see. I would say we probably saw like 32 minutes of good basketball. You know what I mean? And then there was a good chunk of time where they just constantly would let my... And it's not even like that bad stretch is just kind of bad. It's like really bad where... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. You're allowing Miami to go on these big runs to get back in the game because honestly, this should have probably been a blowout after the second quarter. It really should have. You know, there was a that 10-point buffer that probably should have been 13 or 14 uh, after the the, the the play that we talked about with Bam Adebayo and Kelly Olenek and Kevin Durant. But look, credit to the Miami Heat. Bam Adebayo was just on one as well. You know, he was hitting absolutely everything and a, a truly incredible game from him. He's elevating himself to being... Got a, every a, a, damn a, role you could possibly get in a basketball game. Yeah, look, he was getting the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving roles, you know, and and he he, he deserved it because he was he, he got them the Miami Heat on his back, and he was he he was truly truly great, and and and, and made the game a lot more interesting, especially that final quarter. But look, Nick, I think we chatted about KD, we chatted about Kyrie, we chatted about James Harden, we should have chatted about this guy right at the start, but Joey, goddamn buckets. Yeah, I mean that first half, that was one of probably the best first halves of his career. He was just lights out. The first quarter, he really set the tone and it's kind of just the point of him playing with three superstars. Like he's going to end up getting open shots like this and he's going to have nights where he's constantly hot. And like he probably missed some that he thought he would hit, you know, normally. So 7 and 12 is still amazing 58%, but if you ask Joe, he'd probably be like, I should have been 9 and 12 tonight because he was that good and he's that good of a shooter. I also love the block he had on Goran Dragic. Absolutely. I thought that was insane you know i think he we don't necessarily expect that from joe but we're starting to be like okay in the a, a lot of people at the start of the game are like okay well then why isn't bruce brown in the starting lineup why isn't jeff green in the starting lineup? And, you know, i mean like 
or maybe to balance it out and give a bit more defense. It would be good yep. to have one of those guys. But uh, I think now you sort of solidified. I think this has to be the starting lineup going forward. And if Joe has these lulls up and down, don't change it. You know, I, I think there needs to be a semblance of consistency um, because these guys need to acclimate to, to those roles and uh, and everything. But yeah, Joe was truly, truly awesome. And, you know, he was hitting them on the pull-up. He was hitting them from mid-range as well. Um, he looked just confident as hell. And um, the, the two-game slump didn't last very long uh, at all. 8 of 14 from the field, 23 points, couple of dimes, couple of boards, uh, a block as well. He... He made the game, his teammates did a really good job of finding him. But if you have Joe Harris alongside the three superstars, it just makes the offense just not just great, but incredible. Yeah. Because And when Joe's hitting those threes as well and hitting the mid-range pull-ups and hitting the, the pull-up threes in transition... He he was on one tonight. He had six threes in the in the first half uh, and finished with with seven for the night. Um, he is uh, an incredible player and he is going to be incredibly important for the Brooklyn Nets going forward. Yeah, I thought, like you said, Jack, a really good game. Way to bounce back after two. Not even terrible games for him, just bad shooting nights. And he really came to play. And just the effort he brings on the floor is contagious, I think, especially with some of that off-ball movement with the starters. And he's also a pretty quick decision maker. I like the chemistry he's developing with Kevin Durant as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that he he's easy to develop chemistry with because yep. he was moving uh, really, really well. It seemed to me that he was moving more often uh, and moving quicker and you know going in and out, inside the lane, outside the lane, yep. going to different corners, cutting around the perimeter, screens, off-ball screens. And uh, I thought that the team did a, a really good job of that tonight for him uh, and him and others. I thought that there was much better action off the ball for, from the team uh, overall. Yeah, and I think he kind of sets the tone with that, you know, just being the off-ball player he is in terms of running. And that was a great point, Jack. He did make some more cuts inside, which kind of like he typically doesn't do. And I think maybe teams were starting to kind of get an idea of the the pattern that he had. So switching it up is always important. Definitely. You know, you got to give them different actions, different things to guard you with. But uh, Nick, what did you think of DJ tonight, the other uh, starter for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I didn't think DeAndre was bad. I didn't think he was amazing. I thought, you know, he was okay. He's never going to lock up Bam. That's a really bad matchup for him, just given how athletic Bam is and how well he moves out there. But, you know, he did a good job, you know, connecting with James Harden, connecting on his easy buckets. You know, there's always going to be a couple plays where you're like, come on, DJ, like that's a play you can make. But, you know, overall... He's kind of, you know, this is if this is like the average game from him, it's not the end of the world. No, this is what you want from like a, a makeshift starting center, like a JaVale McGee, eight Dwight points, Howard, eight rebounds. Avika Zubac, exactly. Eight points, eight rebounds. We criticized him incredibly heavily for his uh, lack of activity on the glass. You know, he still shows athleticism and James Harden is invigorating him offensively. You know, if he, he needs to set the tone with his... Just uh, activity on, on both ends of the floor. And I think that, you know, in general, that does reverberate across the team because he is a leader, you know, in, yeah. in a lot of respects. Um, he, he just knows um, how to impact this team emotionally in, in a lot of ways. So uh, if he continues to play like this, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, Jeff Green is probably going to be the closing center until someone else comes around. And it might just be Kevin Durant as well. Kevin Durant's closing when Jeff Green fouled out too. So... Uh, for now, this is a decent enough DeAndre Jordan performance, and hopefully this is the baseline that we get from him going forward. Yeah, if you only have to keep him on the floor for like 18 to 20 minutes, you know, that's okay. And then we have somebody else that hopefully can come in and fill in some more of the minutes, and then, you know, you're closing with Jeff Green. You know, that's not the end of the world. You know, and Reggie Perry, like, 
he'll have his good moments. He'll have his bad moments. Again, we talked about him in the last, you know, pod and the previous pods is he's a 57th overall pick and he's a rookie and he doesn't have much experience. And this team hasn't necessarily had a ton of training camp and he probably doesn't even know all of his teammates that well. So he's just kind of learning on the fly and he's physically limited in certain ways, but you do love the toughness he brings to the team. I think he has a type of physicality that the Nets really miss at certain points. Yeah, it's almost like he's over-exuberant, which is what you get from the rookies. And yep. you can't deny his energy, uh, his hustle, his aggression. Um, he just doesn't have the touch and feel and, and IQ of a more experienced NBA player. Like, you know, missing that layup of the, the incredible James Harden pick and roll in um, entry pass. Yeah, was he almost got like stuffed by the rim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, he, he did have some nice moments as well. I do like him um, when he's out on the perimeter and guarding guys rather than when he's under the rim. So the switching style of defense does uh, tend to suit him uh, more occasionally. But yeah, there's going to be need to be some reinforcements. And like we mentioned, Norvell Pell um, is on the way, hopefully sooner rather than later. Nicholas Claxton even more so, hopefully sooner rather than later. We saw his dad jump on Instagram saying uh, that he could be back soon too. So look, it was a it was a much better performance from Reggie Perry. Um, it was uh, a, a, a bit erratic in, in saying that, but you're going to get that from a young rook. Yeah, and he also laid out Mo Harkless. Like, I mean, that was like a truck stick level hit. I mean, I, that just is an example of how bad the refs were. Like, he clearly fouled the shit out of Mo Harkless, and he injured him, and they didn't blow the whistle. And I saw the ref put his hand up and about to blow the whistle, and he just didn't do it. So I was just kind of confused by that play. But like we said, the officiating was more than questionable. What did you think about TLC tonight? Um, I, the fact that I didn't think like, oh man, he was so bad or he was so good is just like, it's a, it's a tick for him, isn't it? Because normally it's like, oh, he's just here, he's there, he's doing too much, he's not doing enough. I thought that, you know, you, you got three points from him, got four assists, which I think is surprising, but I thought that he, he moved the ball well, like he wasn't taking shots for himself, um, like he does occasionally. Um, and I thought he showed a, a bit more steadiness than we've probably seen from him. Yeah, I think he's improving as a passer. I think, like you said, Jack, you know, smaller role, 15 minutes. If you're not really talking about him, that's usually good. And he didn't have any really tough defensive assignments tonight, so that always works out well for him. Bruce Brown didn't necessarily get a ton of minutes tonight, only about 16 minutes and 54 seconds, but close to 17. But I still felt his impact out there, and he grabbed eight boards, and he had uh, <laughs> he had eight points. So, you know, he matched DJ. <laughs> And he had two offensive boards as well. I just thought that as soon as he was out there, I think like his mentality is like, I'm going to get every rebound that I can in every single minute that I can. And you know, a rebound every two minutes isn't too bad at all. If yeah. he's playing per 36, that's 18 boards. And I thought as well, he hit that three ball, which was good. I, I, I like him taking it, take one or two a night. And yep. I think on the season, if he's going to be 30% or so, that's, I'm happy with that because it gives you a level of respectability. And um, he doesn't, a shot that he doesn't miss is that floater. You know, yeah. he's, it's a goddamn pretty, pretty shot. And um, I, I like what he does. You know, he's, he, he just provides an energy. He, he was moving a lot. You know, he gave away probably a, a couple of fouls here or there that were ticky tacky. But, you know, I, I love what he brings to this team. And, you know, I want to see 20 minutes plus for him because he just provides energy. And, you know, plus two, the only positive off the bench, it shows that when when he's out there, he makes winning plays. Yeah, he really does. I mean, like you said, he just provides a positive impact and he fills a need because your superstars aren't going to necessarily dive in the ball for the floor. You know what I mean? They're not going to be fighting with guys for jump balls and stuff like that. That's where a guy like Bruce Brown comes in and he likes doing that stuff like we talked about. So credit to him. Another really solid game. Hopefully he's starting to build more trust and confidence from Steve Nash. Definitely, definitely. Hopefully this is 
you know, a little bit of a taster for, for Bruce and going forward, he can get some, some much more consistent minutes. But yeah, in saying that, um, that he, he makes the right plays. He knows what to do. He knows his limitations and he knows his strengths. And, and that's something that, you know, I think he's providing value to this team quite consistently. You know, if there's a plus minus stat on the year, I'd be surprised if Bruce Brown isn't one of the leaders in that. All of our starters, it was good to see um, were positive in the plus minus as well, which is something you'd expect um, from uh, a team as talented as their starting five. But uh, in saying that, Nick, Jeff Green, 26 minutes off the bench, um, did foul out. Um, had a tough time guarding Bam, but, you know, who didn't? Um, 11 points for him, 3 or 4 from 3. That 3 ball is just absolutely money right now. Uh, 4 of 8 from the field, 5 boards, 3 assists. Uh, what did you think of his performance? Yeah, another really nice night for Jeff Green, you know, and he's just continuing to pro- provide great value on that contract. Like we said, scorching from 3 provides you the versatility. Obviously, Bam's a center, and Jeff Green's an undersized center, so it's not necessarily going to work out great for him, but I thought he fought through it, did the best that he could, so you know, I'm not going to complain about Jeff Green, especially in that contract. It's going to be hard for me to be upset with Jeff Green. You know what I mean? Just given what he, where his skill is, where his talent is, and his expected role coming to this team, he's really killed expectations, I think, up to this point. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, I'm incredibly happy with what he's bringing to this team uh, on both ends of the floor. That three ball, you know, I expect it to go in now. And yeah. and that's something where you don't expect necessarily from like that sort of role player like Wilson Chandler, Jared Dudley type. But, you know, you want the ball in his hands because he just does the right thing, whether it's shooting it, whether it's, you know, uh, moving it, um, that, you know, and, and getting crispy with it, or whether it's taking a mid-ranger, whether it's back and down. He just He's just incredibly, incredibly intelligent and savvy as a veteran. And, um, so damn important to this team. It's it's evergreen content that we keep saying about Jeff Green, but he keeps goddamn doing it. Like he's just in, a, an incredibly steady and impactful for performer for the Brooklyn Nets, and um, it, we'd be struggling without him as our sort of you know closing five because then it would put an even greater impetus on on Kevin Durant. So look, he's been uh, immense for this team in the value that he has provided. Yeah, he's been crucial to this team. But Jack, I got an interesting stat for you. The Nets recorded zero steals tonight. Yeah, I did see that. I thought that some of the way Miami were playing offensively, they were playing much, let's say, risk-free in terms of what they were sort of doing. And I think that they're a hard team to sort of break down. But at the same time, you know, the net and they had eight themselves. I don't look into it overly. I'm sure Bruce Brown wouldn't be happy with that. Uh, he's a dude that loves to get his steals on the board. And they did only had eight turnovers as well. But I do think that the defense tonight was much better. And I think a lot of that came down to the rebounding, Nick. And I'll give you a stat. 47 to 30 in the boards in Brooklyn's favor. Yeah, I thought the Nets were better on the boards. They started more dominant to you know start the game. But um, yeah, I think the defense had moments where they were really successful. And then moments where they were kind of just lackadaisical like I said you know they couldn't they couldn't completely do it and there was a couple possessions where it's just like they gave up an open shot and the reason I just look at the steals is like they're missing some of their best ball handlers and they still can't kind of force a team to make some bad decisions I just feel like they they're just still not really putting enough pressure on the other team and maybe they never will because they lack that elite defense defensive players but you know you still kind of expect maybe a little bit more from you know a Miami Heat team that's missing a Jimmy Butler missing an Avery Bradley missing her Tyler Hero like it's a nice win but I think overall like the Nets still could have won this game in a better fashion and obviously some of that's the officiating like we discussed sloppy down the stretch but it's still 
doesn't feel like a great win, if that makes sense. Obviously, I'm never going to complain about winning, but... No, no. Look, there's still a lot of work to do. I think the Nets need to be a bit more aggressive defensively. Realize, especially out there, I think that when you have guys like Bruce Brown, like James Harden, like, you know, these guys are, are good at stripping dudes, are, are good at, you know, reading passing lanes and such. Kevin Durant's good at that uh, as well. So I think that there's a time and a place to be more aggressive. I think the Nets were steadier defensively, as I alluded to, but they still have a, a they can turn it up a little, a little bit. They can turn it up a notch. So um, it, it's a process and, you know, it's a, a baby step forward tonight and hopefully going forward, it continues to, to improve and and grow, whether that's with, with additions on the roster, whether that's schematically. You know, we heard before the game sort of the, the um, Steve Nash talk about, you know, that they don't want to necessarily change what they're doing. Um, but I'm intrigued to hear what you sort of think, Nick, because we we chatted about it probably quite in depth on, after the Cavs game yesterday. But in terms of the schemes and in terms of the, the tangibles, the intangibles, the mentality defensively, how did the Brooklyn Nets look tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Jack. I they, they had improved from what they did in Cleveland, but still not great. They allowed a Miami Heat team to score 124 points. That was missing arguably maybe, you know, two of the three best offensive players in Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. You know what I mean? And like Bam was cooking, but they didn't really ever send an adjustment to kind of make it tougher for him. And I get it. Duncan Robinson out there running off screens and things. But still, I, I'm not going to feel amazing about their defense because like the Nets ultimately still won this game is because they were godly offensively. They shot 50% from the 53% from the field, 51% from three. And they did that with 17 turnovers and dropped, you know, 128 points. So it's like, yeah, they, they won this game. They beat the Heat team. But I think, like, for me to be impressed, especially against a Heat team like this, uh, they got to hold them over under 100. You know what I mean? And, like, Miami didn't even shoot well from three. Like, they shot under 30% from three, and they still dropped 124 points. Like I mentioned, all the players are missing. And I'm not trying to, like, ruin the parade, but there's still, pl- like you said, there's still a lot of work to be done. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And look, some of that, you credit to, to Bam Adebayo going out of his mind. So, you know, you can't defend certain things. But yeah. also, like you mentioned, there are certain things that you can defend and can be better at. And look, well, I mean, I, Miami I thought... just ran the same freaking play like seven plays in a row. They said, hey, we're going to ISO uh, Bam on the left wing and we're on left post with uh, Jeff Green and we're just going to let him go to the work. And the Nets just kind of were like, OK. And then Bam scored, what, five straight possessions? Yeah, no, he was he was awesome. And then also, like I mentioned, DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, the pick and roll, it's uh, it's money barbecue for the opposing chicken. team. It's barbecue chicken, absolutely, uh, Nick. So that's something that really does need to improve. It. It's going to get attacked. Uh, if DeAndre Jordan is starting in, in a postseason series, that now if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks or the Sixers or the Celtics, that's just like I'm running it a million times. And uh, unless, unless those two can get better in terms individually and, and you know, in, in synergy, then uh, there's going to be a, a massive weakness there, and it's going to continue to be. There is a lot of confusion on the weak side on those plays. You know, James Harden was guarding, um, I actually don't even know his name on the Miami Heat, which is rare for me not to know a player, uh, Gabe Vincent. He was guarding him in the corner, and he would pull up to the wing and go to the top of the key, so it was pulling James Harden away from having that weak side help, and the Heat ran that pick and roll, that same type of action, I want to say four or five times. And it either ended up in Bam getting a good shot, Goran Dragic getting a floater in the paint. It just kind of gets too easy, you know, and that's something they have to address. But, you know, Jack, getting back to your other point, I never really answered your question about Steve Nash's comments on the defense. And I understand his mindset and wanting to master one style of defense before moving on to the next one, especially if he believes that this is going to be the defense that they need to use the most in the playoffs. 
yeah no I, I totally agree with that and you know it doesn't hurt to have some other things up your sleeve like you know to be the opposite of what the milwaukee bucks and look the milwaukee yeah. bucks have done a good job of changing you know this season i think especially offensive and defensively trying some new things but the nets have a completely new nucleus to their roster and they need to figure out some some things before they try and you know uh, reinvent the wheel in, in in that sort of respect and you know some of the the lack of execution can be made up by hustle plays from guys like Bruce Brown yep. and such, but and that there's plenty of work to be done um, from, from all of the guys on the roster. And, you know, I, I think Kevin Durant's presence almost covers up a lot of holes because, you know, he's such a good weak side helper. He's such a good rebounder. And without him, the weaknesses uh, are made even more glaring. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think also, like, uh, I'll be intrigued to see if... Steve Nash elects to go with different styles of defense after essentially they master that certain style that they're using right now, like the switching style that they're running right now. Like maybe after that, they'll go to a zone. Maybe they'll play some more drop coverage, switch things up. So it's going to be an intriguing kind of aspect of the Nets. And like they have the rest of the season, but at the end of the day, it's still it's still really not that much time to kind of solidify no. yourself with a defensive identity for a postseason against some really, really good teams. No, absolutely. And in saying that, I can't remember who it was that posted on Twitter. Like, you know, the, the Detroit Pistons championship team were an anomaly in terms of their defensive identity. Maybe the Brooklyn Nets, if they win a championship, won't be, will be one of the, the few teams in 25 years. I think there's only one team in 25 years that has finished better than 15th or worse than 15th defensively and actually won a chip. Maybe the Brooklyn Nets are the ones that make history. I hope not. I hope they get into the, the top 10, 12 range. But uh, at this point, they don't look like it. And I remember my guy, Nick Busing, saying on the pod that in the past sort of three, four or five games, the Nets have been the third worst defensive team. And look, I, I was surprised that they weren't the worst in saying that. They were with the Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So not necessarily the most illustrious company. Yeah, it's really strange too, just given some of the teams they've played over the stretch. Like Cleveland not being a great offensive team, lighting them up obviously isn't great. And then obviously tonight Miami missing so many players. But then you go back to the Bucks game and it's like, oh, they played the Bucks and it was kind of just like the same thing. It was just a shootout. Is every night going to be a shootout? Is that a style that you can win? I mean, if there's a team that has the best chance in NBA history about winning a shootout every night, the Nets are one of them, just given the offensive talent they have. It'll be intriguing how this kind of develops through the season. Ideally, like you said, Jack, you want to see them at least be maybe like, the 14th best defense. You know, you don't have to be top 10. You don't have to be top five. Just make it somewhat difficult. Make them earn their points. And I feel like the problem with the Nets right now is too many times they just give points away where it's just like, hey, you want a wide open three? Here you go. Yeah, and some of that is lack of communication. Some of that yep. is laziness. Some of that is just not being switched on. You know, I think that the the Nets almost really are like, you know, we can beat you. And, and they, they revert back to their offensive tendencies and being like, all right, well, Kyrie Irving's going to hit a mid-ranger here, falling away with one hand or whatever. Kevin Durant's going to hit a, a pull-up three in your face. You know, the, we're going to be fine. And I think that they need to get out of the men that mentality. They need to be like, they need all to be right. Humbled. <laughs> yeah, they need to be humbled big time. And if the Cleveland Cavs, and I think they need to be humbled as a big three. So it's just like Kevin yep. Durant, like I said, doesn't cover up all, all the weaknesses and 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 paints over those you know little holes and and such. But Nick, there's a good comment here from James Harden via Chris Mulholland, uh, and I wanted to bring it to you. You know, I don't want to go into all these comments, but this one stuck out to me. I just want to come in and get a feel for what's going on. I can obviously be a little more aggressive. How much longer are we going to allow, I guess, James Harden to quote-unquote get a feel? 
think to be fair, you probably have to give him almost five to 10 games. Like he's learning yeah. the team on the fly. And I, we talked about this in the off season. And I remember speaking about like how difficult it would be to get James Harden, you know, intertwined with this team mid season. You know what I mean? Just given the type of style that he's played for so long, the habits that he has, and obviously, you know, playing with Kyrie and Kevin Durant is something different. So, you know, I think five to 10 games and then really towards the end, expect him to start picking up and picking his, you know, moments. I think he really is trying to get a feel where guys like the ball, where they like shots. And let's be honest, like he played on the Houston Rockets. Like he probably doesn't know much about a lot of these players that are on the Brooklyn Nets. He's, I don't think he's the same level of like scouting report player that Kevin Durant is that, you know, Katie, honestly, I think knows everybody's strengths and weaknesses in the entire NBA where James Harden, it might take him a second to kind of learn like, Oh, this is where Joe likes the ball. Oh, TLC is good in this spot. You know, Oh, Reggie Perry's not that quick. I can't hit him on that role. Yeah, definitely. And he also did allude to his, his focus on making sure that the second unit guys are getting shots. You know, you want them to be engaged and such, but at the same time, it doesn't matter if those guys have four or five shots and you have an extra 10 or, <laughs> compared to them because it is a higher percentage shot you taking an ISO possession over TLC taking a, a you know a, a driving three or whatever. You know, I, I would assume that the numbers would back that up too, especially the last couple of years. So, you know, he'll find that balance there, I'm, I'm, like I alluded to earlier. But it is going to be a feeling out process, you know, five to 10 games, whatever the timeline is. But uh, James Harden needs to find... He's playing like a, a, a passive point guard right now. And he's I don't mean like to Chris say passive. Yeah, that, that's what I saw. Yeah, he's, he's a facilitator rather than a facilitator and scorer, like uh, a Kyrie Irving, like a, a Damian Lill, like a, a Stephen Curry. These sort of goods who are scoring point guards. And James Harden is a scoring guard. He's a shooting guard uh, by nature and by size. You know, Mike D'Antoni turned him into this heliocentric point guard, shooting guard, combo guard. So, you know, he knows how to score. And hopefully he could show off that uh, in, in the games going forward because... I'm I'm pretty confident with his passing as well. He's had like 11, 12, 13 quite consistently. So, um, Do you think let's he's a better passer than D'Angelo Russell? Oh yeah, easily. You know, James oh. Harden is is probably only behind the likes of LeBron James, uh, Nikola Jokic, the elite of the elite, and he's probably on the fringes of the elite passes in the league, and if not in it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been my favorite Nets passer since Jason Kidd. Like, just some of the passes he's making out there are just ridiculous. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued, and obviously this is information that we're probably not going to be able to get, but how much is Steve Nash telling James Harden to run point guard? How much is he telling him to be aggressive and trying with that mindset? And how much does he want him to play within the offense instead of going ISO? I'd just be intrigued to kind of find that out and seeing if Because he mentioned, I think he had a comment um, pregame where it's saying, like, we don't want to go my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. He wants more of a natural offense. So it'll be interesting to see how they adapt, especially with that second unit, because it does at times, you know, lack other offensive firepower. Yeah, Kyrie, uh, James Harden, take your turn, my dude. We don't need to take eight <laughs> shots tonight and have 11 assists. Um, you had the same shots as Jeff Green. Um, you, you should always have more than uh, 12 shots a night. And you should have been, you know, if Kevin Durant had 19, Kyrie Irving had 17, James Harden should have 15. That's yeah. what that's the balance that I would like to see. And Joe Harris isn't going to have 14 every night either. So you take away what five of those shots from Joe, two of those shots from from Jeff Green, and you give them to James Harden. And look, it's not to say that Jeff Green was was poor uh, and and Joe Harris either. We just alluded to how great they have been. But James Harden with the second unit, you know, you take away you know four shots. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the balance needs to be better. I'm not sure what the shot distribution needs to be. I'm just he also could there. help picking up the pace, just get more shots. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, he he's he when it uh, often make. You know, he he's he he's that methodical. 
Um, but if he, you know, runs a little bit more, you know, it may be something like you alluded to, Nick, is a little bit of conditioning and all those little things. But he's going to find it. Um, but there shouldn't be a game for the rest of the season where he has less than 10 shots and eight shots tonight. Um, nah, that, that, that ain't it. That ain't it. Yeah, and I also feel like, you know, the they're gonna the Nets are gonna get criticized more for the big three stretch if they do have struggles. Obviously they already had the two against Cleveland and then this game wasn't necessarily amazing. But if it was the beginning of the season, they started out slow, I think people would be less worried. It's just happened that it's like during the season people are freaking out. Because I I saw a couple stats from like the Heat's first ten games to the Warriors' first ten games, and they weren't necessarily the most prettiest records you know what i mean and those teams ended up being fine so like like we've said like the nets said of like the nets players have said like it's gonna take time for us to find our rhythm and like i'm not even sure we've gotten a real taste of what this team can be yet no you know we're the the glimpses that we've seen are, are there but i think it's been more individually rather than as a cohesive unit you know we saw joe harris go off we've seen kevin durant consistently go off like an MVP player, like one of the best players in the league as he is. You know, Kyrie Irving doing what he does. Um, and look, I'm going to be intrigued to see, you know, the, the if he had have done this on a weekday, what the next day takes from him um, would be on ESPN <laughs> and such because you can't necessarily make the arguments that he did any anything wrong tonight other than what we alluded to with the pick and roll defense and, and some of those sort of things. But yeah, I, I think the Nets will figure it out, Nick. But um dj said it yesterday rome wasn't built in the day championships aren't won in january either yeah i'm intrigued definitely to watch the next game against miami especially because they're going to be shorthanded once again and like you know eric spolster does a great job coaching his team making sure they're ready but i feel like uh, the nets it would be nice for them to kind of have a blowout or just a tone setter or just a cleaner game overall like miami's probably going to shoot better from three some guys are probably going to play a little bit better but you'd like to see them be able to maintain a 10-point lead throughout most of the game or you know maintain a 15-point lead and obviously basketball is a game of runs but you have some of the best run stoppers in the league you arguably have three of the best on your team yeah definitely so and look they're still like point uh, the half a game out of being the two seed and they don't have they haven't figured it out yet. You know, it's been 18 games. They've played the most games in the league. You know, they're, they're 3-0 against teams ahead of them. Um, and, you know, we still yet to burst the paces. But, you know, good wins against the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Bucks. Um, I think the Nets are in a decent enough spot, Nick. You know, you look at the the Miami Heat in their first iteration. They struggled. They were like 500 to start the season. Yep. Um, and, and everyone was burning the Miami down. I think the Nets are, are going to find their rhythm. Um, it just sucks because in a more condensed season and with less practices and all these protocols in place, it is going to be harder than ever to find that synergy and chemistry. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jack, especially the lack of practices. I mean, when you're having a game almost what feels like every other day, it's really hard to get practice time in because you don't want to mess with guys conditioning, especially like guys coming off injury and things along those lines. You don't want to push them too far. So it's kind of Steve Nash finding a balance. Like he couldn't have picked a tougher year to start head coaching. Yeah, definitely. Um, and look, it's good to see as well. Tyler Johnson uh, via Christian Winfield is sprinting up and down, hitting corner threes with team staffers. Uh, he had another DM, DNP, uh, but um, he can maybe uh, produce for this team at certain points going forward. I, I thought that the rotation tonight was probably uh, better from Steve Nash. What did you think of his coaching? Sometimes I thought he could have called, you know, in some of those extended runs from the Miami Heat. I know that's not his mentality, but he could have called some um, more timely timeouts. Uh, but I thought overall, Decent enough. 
Yeah, I thought he was decent enough to get the win when you have this, you know, talented of players. You know, you don't necessarily have to have a huge coaching impact. I will say, you know, kind of like we've brought up in the past, I like to see him get a little bit more aggressive with the refs. You know, especially I think like your players would appreciate that a little bit too. Not to say that they don't respect Steve Nash or anything like that, but I think it, it does help, especially when they miss blatant calls. You know, uh, they're always going to have the 50-50 calls that don't go your way, and that's going to happen. But when there's calls that are just obvious as hell and they're not giving them to you, you have to kind of let them know they need to do a better job because sometimes they need kind of a wake-me-up too. What do you think about Landry Shamma getting a DNP as well? Um, I kind of expected it. You know, if you're not going to perform, then look, you, you don't deserve to, to play. Um, but, you know, tonight could have been a night to throw him out there and, and get his offensive rhythm. But I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing when you have your best player in the league uh, coming back, uh, the best player in your team as well coming back. You know, he automatically replaces a guy who didn't make a shot in the last game. So it, it's fine. I did think that Steve Nash, like you mentioned, Nick, does need to be a bit more forceful uh, as a leader. Uh, and he also uh, did have a nice little challenge call uh, that, uh, yep. that was as blatantly obvious of a block as I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, that was actually a pretty big pa- uh, uh, challenge call because Katie would have had, you know, ended up having five fouls later in the game, which could have, you know, allowed the Heat maybe to even make a bigger run. But, uh, Jack, anything else you want to talk about with this game? Look, I don't think uh, we can probably take the most away from this game, Nick. It seems to be just like a, a game where it's just like, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they went hot and they got hot. And James Harden made a, a nice, smart, savvy play. He did allude that it was his call and not the coach's call to make. Um, he was telling the, the Nets media after the game. So, uh, again, an example of his intelligence. Um, and Joe Harris uh, being in a goddamn flamethrower. I um, think I might have to do a bit of a video breakdown of that one because uh, I always love doing Joey Buckets breakdown. But, yeah, not necessarily the, the biggest takeaways uh, from this performance. Probably one that we won't be looking back on and saying it was a big turning point. Yeah, it was just kind of like, hey, we're a better team. We're going to get the win. You're missing some players, and we did enough to get the W. It wasn't anything crazy. There was a couple nice flashes. I think like just with the staggering minutes in the rotation, I think keeping two of four in terms of Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, two of four of those guys on the floor at all times, I think makes it easier. You know what I mean? Because then if it's James Harden with a second unit, he has an elite floor spacer in Joe Harris. Obviously, we know what Kyrie and Katie can do. We know what Katie and Joe can do. Kyrie and Joe. You know what I mean? I think it just kind of provides a little bit more offensive stability. And you don't necessarily need, you know, three really good offensive, four really good offensive players on the floor at the same time. You know, two can usually do the trick, especially during most stints. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's uh, that's a really savvy point, Nick, and it certainly does help. And and whether it's not Joe, maybe Landry Shamit once he gets his three yep. ball going at, at a certain point in time. But uh, it, again, it'll it'll help all the teams. And and like we've alluded to before, that you know Steve Nash needs to find the the tools and the lineups and the rotations to make these guys succeed on the floor. Give him give them all the the tools and the everything that they need. Um, and the players need to be able to execute when uh, that is given to them. And I thought that both uh, the players and the coaching staff were decent enough tonight. It wasn't, again, like I mentioned, something I'm going to be re-watching, uh, except for some Joe Harris highlights. And um, it, it still disappoints me that there isn't enough Joe Harris love from the national... ESPN didn't post anything on him. Bleacher Report didn't post anything on him. Uh, but my OnlyFans will have plenty of content after the game. So check it out. But uh, talking about players, uh, what do you think of Spencer Dinwiddie shooting threes before the game? Loved it, Nick. Um, the, the the DPE, I think that the Nets are going to get punished for it somehow because uh, they got the disabled player exception the other day, as we alluded to, but Spencer's already shooting threes. Like, um, it's going to be over. Uh, the only thing that was even more intriguing to me was Kevin Durant's nice little fresh cut. 
Oh, yeah. KD did have a fresh cut. And uh, like we mentioned on the previous show, that Spencer Dinwiddie will still be eligible to play if he's able to return. Long as, uh, you know, he's healthy, he can come back on the floor because you're granted the exception based off the idea that he won't return. And typically when you have a an ACL surgery, you're not expected to return. So the Nets should be okay. And I think, you know, hopefully someone told Spencer that. Like we mentioned, I don't think he was uh, up to date on the rules. But, you know, fresh cut for KD. Hopefully we see the Nets kind of have maybe a little bit more dominant performance. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Wanted to ask, Nick, the, the comments from Kyrie Irving on his Instagram account. When I woke up to see them, uh, a lot of the time it seems to me that I wake up to some form of Nets news. Your your opinion and your thoughts in the moment when you saw Kyrie uh, take to the Instagram stories. To be honest, I, re- I, I read it quickly. I didn't really deep dive into it. I'm not going to be honest. I don't really care. Like, I, I don't really care. Like, you can post what you want on social media and say what you want. I, it's it's fine. Like, what I'm really focused on, especially with Kyrie Irving, is what he does on the court. Because there's so many different factors with him outside the court. And I'm not criticizing or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, my biggest concern with Kyrie is just what he does on the court. And I think, you know, what he said did make sense. But it's still kind of a situation where people can take it in a positive way or a negative way. And it's kind of just allowing the media to get more clicks to an extent. Yeah, look, uh, we, as he alluded to, we will be on that stage, a stage where the best of the best meet, you know, the main stage, where those who can do and those who can not talk about, those who are going to talk about those that are doing. If you're rolling with us, great, let's rock. Um, if you're not, uh, you know you don't want to rock. Um, it, what was the other part there? But yeah, whatever. Um, but I, I did like... Well, if you're not, you know you want to talk about our greatness anyway. Um, and we saw Kevin Durant uh, respond with speak on it, King. And uh, Andre Drummond uh, <laughs> even jumped into the comments as well. Future Brooklyn Nets, Andre Drummond maybe, who knows? A younger version of DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, man. Uh, that's not a lot to look forward to. Uh, luckily, Corey's not here, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that I think that wraps it up. Like we said, hopefully the Nets give us a little bit more in the next game, but overall, we'll always take a win. Jack, always a pleasure, and big thanks to everybody for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.